Everybody good? The rain just began, so everybody's going to want to take a nap now. Get yourself ready for 3 p.m. kickoff. Depending on who you are, you might have hope for today. But this isn't about football today. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We are excited. A new year is upon us here in just a couple of days. Time for us to get that redo. It's 2020, which means it should be perfect, right? Because 2020 means perfect vision. And many of us remember 20 years ago, Y2K, we thought the world was going to end and we were going to be with Jesus. Maybe 2020 is the year, who knows? Could be today, could be far from now, but it doesn't matter when the newness is upon us. New opportunities, fresh opportunities, second chances, tenth chances, infinite chances are upon us. And God is so good, he's going to be so faithful to us. We're excited about what he's going to do here in the coming year. Next week, as we begin our new year, we're going to start a brand new series, and we're going to look at the vision and the core values of our church. And it's an important series as we get started in a new year because it really helps us set the tone and the foundation for what we believe as a church God needs us to do, wants us to do, desires for us to do, even has for us to do here in our community, in our neighborhoods, even around this globe. And so I want to encourage you to join us next Sunday, and just as Justin kicks it off for us, gets us started, it's just going to be an incredible several weeks of us just really dialing back a little bit, getting ourselves grounded in what God has for us, and so you guys make sure that you're here with us uh, starting next week. A part of that vision and part of kind of our, our, our terms and phrases that we have, we as a staff several years ago adopted just a few phrases that we feel like are really important to us. Uh, some that, you know, maybe you never hear in the hallways, but we'll say it internally quite a bit. And we've actually shared them briefly with you from time to time from the stage. But I just want to share with you one today uh, that I feel is really most important that Justin has actually introduced me to just a few years ago. And it's kind of become part of our, our nomenclature here. But, the, you know, one of the phrases is gather, grow, go. It's a very familiar phrase that you've seen all the time. You see in our mission statement for us to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who will gather, grow, and go. That's one of our phrases. We use the phrase, we over me, quite a bit, making sure that it's never about one individual, but it's about the collection of God's believers. It's about the body of Christ, making sure that the body is thriving and not just the individual. Because if it's just about me, then the glory's about me and there's no room for Jesus. If it's about us and about everything that God has for us and it's about God's kingdom, and we can grow that kingdom helping do whatever it takes to develop those people along, along with us. But this third one is really where we're going to spend our time today, and it's practicing the ways of Jesus. And for us, that really is not only just a motto, but it's a great reminder every time we think it, say it, see it, read it, study it, pray it, that we are called to practice the ways of Jesus all the time. There is no off day for this. Everything that we are, everything that we choose to be, everything we desire to be should be exemplifying the practices of Jesus Christ. And so just a few weeks ago, I was in my quiet time reading along and, and a, a verse of scripture that I've read many times before, and maybe you've even read the scripture too. For whatever reason, this is the day that it hit me like a ton of bricks. Do you ever have those days? You're just reading something along and it's like God shows you in the highlighter motion that this is actually what I'm needing to live out. I've read it a dozen times, but today was the day. For me, that was found in 1 John chapter 2. If you want to turn there. It, it, again, it's not something that's not unfamiliar to us. We've read it. We even did a whole series on the book of 1 John just a few years ago. But for whatever reason, back at the end of November, this particular section of verses, just two verses, 
really stood out and hit me like a ton of bricks. 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, it says this, But if someone obeys God's teaching, then in that person God's love has truly reached its goal. This is how we can be sure that we are living in God. Whoever says that he lives in God must live as Jesus did. Let's pray real quick. Father, it is our prayer that we would not only hear the word, but we would be transformed by the word so that we can live the word in front of others. So this morning as we dive in, not only to this passage, but several scriptures along the way, would you just allow us that time of renewal and refreshment just so that we can truly be in a relationship with you that is, that is growing and thriving, not one we just simply check the boxes. God, we love you, and we pray that this day will be about bringing you glory and your kingdom, all the fame it needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, you might assume that this passage of Scripture would be one that for a, for a church leader, for a pastor, would be really easy to, you know, to do. After all, if you're a pastor and you're not living the ways of God and you're not living as Jesus did, how are you a pastor? But I think God challenged me in this passage. It's not about living this Scripture inside the building. It's about living this Scripture outside of the building. See, because in our faith, it's not just enough to have knowledge. Really, truly, what we're desiring to do and what God has called us to is to practice the ways that Jesus has, has given to us in the Scriptures, in the New Testament. Ones that he pointed to in the New Testament, pointed back to the Old Testament. All the things that you grew up and you just learned, God didn't give it to you just to know. He gave it to you so you would live it out. And why is that important? Because sometimes in our lives and sometimes in our circles, there are people that only you could reach for the kingdom of God through the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus has placed you in that circle of influence. He has placed you in that work environment. He has placed you in that home or that neighborhood or in that community because your experiences and your knowledge of Jesus Christ is what people need to hear. And so it is a challenge for us not to live the ways of Jesus inside the walls, although it is very important that we practice the ways of Jesus really well inside of the building, but we need to practice the ways of Jesus outside of this building into the places where the people are. Because you think about 2020 just for a few moments. I mean, already there's an argument, is this the end of the decade or the beginning of the decade? I've already seen both saying 2021 is actually the beginning of the decade, not 2020. We're not here to debate that. We're not going to divide lines. We're just going to go with it. We know that 2020 is going to be a very hotbed year because of political environments, because we've got a big election coming up, and already people are drawing lines. We need to practice the ways of Jesus in the middle of all of that. We need to practice the ways of Jesus even when we disagree with the person sitting across the table from us or sometimes across the computer from us or across the street from us. We need to practice the ways of Jesus with the people that we love but also the people we disagree with. We need to practice the ways of Jesus with everyone that's been inside the church but also the people that have never heard the name of Jesus but yet live in the Bible Belt. We need to practice the ways of Jesus so well that the only name that people truly know in a way that is famous is the name of Jesus Christ. We have a job to do, and people are dying. And they're dying eternally. Some of them are dying physically, and our opportunities are getting shorter and shorter and shorter and fewer and fewer, but we need to maximize the opportunities that God has given to us and practice the ways of Jesus in front of those that he puts us in contact with. And I had to sit in myself and I said, you know what, what are the ways of Jesus? What are those things that God has called us to, the things that Jesus has shown us in the scriptures? What are the things that Jesus needs us to do? 
I think if we sat long enough and we had a whiteboard, because those of you that know me, you know I love to draw on the wall and make, make charts and graphs. It's kind of my love language, I guess. But in there, you start listing the things. We could go probably a laundry list of things and, and maybe even some after that. But let's just simplify it if we can. Some of it will end up being part of our core values. Some of it's just a very simple, kind of a no-duh thing that Jesus would do. But let's just refresh and remind ourselves like it's the first time. The list to me is very simple. It is one that Jesus walked in such a way that God was the center of his life. If we are to practice the ways of Jesus, then God must be the center of everything that we do. I never once saw Jesus take an off day in Scripture. I never once said, you know what, I just don't feel the Bible study this morning. I just don't think I'm going to do it today. I'll catch up. I'll double up tomorrow. In fact, Scripture tells just the opposite, that Jesus, even when he was the most tired, went and spent time with God. Sometimes three, four, five times a day. Getting away because it was refreshment. It was renewal. It was a commitment issue that Jesus was always reminding himself and reminding the people that were watching him. I am more committed to God than anything else. And it was an example that everything that Jesus did, God was at the center of it. The second thing on the list is that Jesus knew the scriptures well. And you would think, well, you know, easy. He was there when they were written. That's true. But not only did Jesus know the scriptures, but Jesus lived the scripture. You ever notice some of the conversations that Jesus had and the arguments that he got into? Did you ever notice that as Jesus was getting into some of those religious arguments, when they wanted to kind of fight and throw down, Jesus would be like, but that's not what the Bible says. That's not what scripture says. You say this, but scripture says this. You're trying to trap me in this way, but God's word says this. Not only is Jesus, is God the center of Jesus' life, but Jesus, the scripture, is oozing out of him in conversation and the way that he conducted himself, the way that he lived his life, both in front and behind of people. Man, we got to do better at that, myself. The third thing is Jesus loved all, even when it was tough love. You know, some of the times in the Bible when you're a kid, you're like, man, Jesus threw over the temple tables. Man, he was showing them. That was love. And you're thinking, does that mean I can throw furniture in my home? Probably not, because you're not going to do it with the same passion and the same, for the same reasoning. But even in his anger, even in his, shall we say, spiritual sarcasm, Jesus was being tough love. Because he needed people to know that the things that they were arguing, the things that they wanted to do, that was not what God's word said. And I'm going to love you, even tough love you, right back into the arms of God. He loved every person, every skin color, every age, every demographic, high class, low class, middle class. He didn't care. He loved all people. The fourth thing is that he was obedient in all things. If you need an example of this, all you need to do is go to the Gospel of John and start reading the garden prayer that Jesus began to to pray. Jesus asked God, hey, look, if there's any other way than the cross, then I'm all for it. And most of you would be like, well, he didn't want to do that. But finish the phrase out. But your will be done, not mine. Your way above my way. The we before the me. I will do whatever you need me to do to be obedient. Jesus was obedient at all times. He was practicing the ways that God had given to him. And the last one is he considered others first. The best thing about what Jesus was, you know, was, was talking through and, and, and displaying for so many people, I never once see Jesus going, hey, look, hold on, i got to take care of me. Let me just take care of me for a few days. I'll come back to you if I feel like it. 
Even when he was tired, he said, bring the children. Come on. Bring the babies. Bring the screaming babies. Bring the quiet babies. Bring the geniuses and the not so geniuses. Bring them all because I love them all. Hey, Jesus, there's a thousand people who's... Why are we stopping for one person that touched you? Because she needed to know that Jesus felt her, knew her, and loved her. Jesus, there are 10,000 people on this hillside. You better send them home because we don't have dinner. No, 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 no. We're going to take care of it first. We're going to take care of them. Jesus was always putting other people's needs first above his own. Because in that way, he brought God glory and honor. What was shown to us and the things that we have seen, we need to extend to other people. Have you been shown forgiveness by Jesus? Then you need to extend forgiveness to the next person. Have you been shown a season of grace? Then you need to extend grace. Have you been shown love? Then you need to extend love. You don't get to choose what and where and who and why. If God has given it to you, you are then to give it to other people. We need to make sure that we are doing this because we are all called to practice the ways of Jesus. We are all called to practice the ways of Jesus. Paul wrote it like this to the Philippian church. Many of you that have been here at the fellowship for a little bit, you know this. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 9, from the Good News Translation, Paul wrote it like this. He says, put it into practice what you have learned and what you have seen from me, both in my words and in my actions. We are not called just to gather knowledge. We're called to live out our faith. And I know this because Jesus says, look, even the demons of Satan know the Bible. If we were getting into a scripture contest, I promise you, the demons know the scriptures. The difference is they do not choose to live the scriptures. They choose to fight you from the scriptures. How do I know this? Because when you tempted Jesus, what did Satan use? He tried to use scripture, and Jesus said, whoa, 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 that's not exactly what scripture said, Satan. There's more to that. Let's live our faith in action. Let me, tell you, let me ask you a question. Think about this. Think about the people around you that do not know Jesus. They do not know Jesus whatsoever. Would knowledge change their hearts or would a firm display of Jesus change their hearts? Would the knowledge of a Bible change their hearts or a display of Jesus' love change their hearts? I'm, I'm really convinced now that relational evangelism is the way to go because if people see Jesus lived in front of them, even if they don't know that it's Jesus, it will draw them in to know what is the difference between you and me and what I'm doing and what I'm not doing, the hope that you seem to possess and the hope that I can't find. What is that? And then you go, hey, you know what? I believe in Jesus and scripture has taught me and, and the ways of Jesus has taught me and you start drawing them in and I'm telling you what, the scripture comes right alongside the display and teaches just the same. But some of our people in our circles, they need to see Jesus in us. And right now, I really, I, Callie and I, from, for about a month now, and we've kind of tiptoed the water a little bit. We were trying to get out of social media. We still have to you know, kind of stay in it because of our jobs and make sure we kind of keep our eye on some things. But we, we've gotten away from social media quite a bit. So if you've not received a message back from me, don't worry. I probably saw it. I just, I'll get to you eventually. But in that beauty of the moment, what I've seen is, you know, I don't fight with people politically. I'm not worried about how you disagree if Star Wars was the best movie of all time or not. I'm not worried about anything that you throw in there. I'm simply just, man, can I pray for you? Is there anything we could do just to help you grow? Social media, if anything else for me, has taught me how people need Jesus. And how people, even in the church and outside the church, they just need to be loved on and cared for. 
There are so many people, they scream through social media, not because they use all caps, but because they will tell you exactly what's hurting if you will pay attention. And when you see what's hurting, go to them, pray for them, lift them up. Don't just hit the heart button or the like button or the ha-ha button or whatever else. But go to them and surround them with love and presence of Jesus and begin to show them the ways of Jesus in their life. Extend to them grace because they may be having a hard time finding it. Extend them the opportunity of forgiveness because they may not find anyone else that will give it to them. Extend them the love of Jesus because you may be the only Jesus that they ever see. We are called to live it out. James 2.17 from the New Living Translation says, So see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Man, I do not want on my conscience. I do not want my time at the fellowship to be known by useless dead faith. I do not want my time on earth to be known for useless dead faith. I want to know that the things that people entrusted me, things of like my grandmother, things of my parents, things of my sister, things of my church family, Sunday school teachers, life group leaders, fellow staff members, people that randomly don't even realize they're teaching me that they're teaching me. Friends like my friend Nilda Kobos, whose life just was taken to be with Jesus just a few, few days ago, but her life just screams Jesus. Everything about that, I need to take the lessons that I've learned and teach it to someone else. I need to live my life in such a way that what I learned, I live. And I need to help people transform their lives. I do not want to be dead and useless, filled with knowledge that I never used. How we practice the ways of Jesus also reflects our level of faith and our commitment. And maybe some of you are like, that's a scary proposition. Let me just tell you, start somewhere. You don't get to just just build a city just because. You don't get to just do something and just jump into it zero to 60. Start small and start practicing because when you practice, you'll learn that you're good at it. And when you gain confidence, you'll want to do it more. And when you see lives being changed, you'll want to do it more. And when you see lives, more, more lives change, you'll want to do it even more. And all of a sudden, before you know it, revival has sparked because Jesus is flowing through you. And the message of Jesus and the message of the gospel is changing lives. And what happens in you is it's going to become contagious and the person sitting next to you is going to want to do it too because you look like you're having fun and this is a blast. And if Christians can't smile and have fun, what's the purpose in this? What's the whole point anyway? But we're going to have some fun. We're going to change lives. We're going to grow a kingdom. And all of a sudden, God is going to get the glory. How incredible it would be for a church to live out their faith. How incredible it would be for a life group just to come together, unite through the power of the Spirit, through the power of Jesus, and just change a whole community, a whole neighborhood, a whole church, a whole city. How incredible it could be if we would simply live it out. Jesus said this in John 13, 35, By this you will be known as my disciples if you love one another. How we live our faith, how we love one another. We must not do this only within the safety and security of a building. Let's just, let's just, if you're not from church, let me just explain something to you. And maybe some of you have been in church for a while. Let me give you a little church history, 101. Number one is, the building is not the church. The people are the church. And so our call and our job is not to live the church in a building. Our, church, our job is to be the church in the neighborhoods, in the community, in the workplace. We are to practice the ways of Jesus in full view. And so we are to live and display and to grow our faith in full view of others, to inspire them, to encourage them, to open opportunities to do the same. So our second point here this morning is we are to practice the ways of Jesus in the light. Now that would be a scary proposition for some of you because you don't like the light. 
you don't like to be the center of attention and you're a little nervous. If you screw something up, then God's kingdom is going to crumble. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit's involved, don't worry about it crumbling. Just worry about it growing. Because God is too big to let his church fail. We are to live and practice the ways of Jesus in the light. What we've experienced needs to be lived out. Brian Early is our student pastor at our Mount Julia campus. He's preaching a message this morning, and I, I stole his notes, and I don't, even, I don't even apologize for it. But it started, got me, it got me thinking yesterday when I was going, I was like, I need to add that in there somewhere, and it, where is it? And Brian encouraged me the other day as we were sitting there. He goes, you know, in, in light of what we do, sometimes we worry about what our record was. And I'm not talking about your, your police record. If you have one, that's okay. Jesus still loves you and is going to give you grace beyond it. Okay, But our record spiritually, the three records that we sometimes get caught up on is the record of our past, the record that you carry in your mind. You remember the times that you failed, but you forgot those are the times you tried to go it alone. And you tried to do it your way. And you tried to do it on your own power. And you failed because it was all about you. Now we're saying practice the ways of Jesus all about Jesus all about the Spirit flowing through so Jesus is made famous in everything that we do. Practice in the light so you can shine Jesus. And don't worry about things that have happened in the past that are in your mind. The second thing he said is don't worry about the record carried by those who knew you before salvation. Go live your faith in front of those people because they need to see the difference that Jesus has made in your life. They need to see that you are a changed individual because of Jesus Christ. They need to know that there's hope for them. Because inevitably in those moments when people share their stories, they will use a phrase like, well, if Jesus could save me, then I know Jesus could save you. One of our groups that comes and visits the fellowship from time to time is the Men of Valor. And I remember taking Luke, and, we, and I don't remember if Lila came with us, but I know Luke came with us, and we went to a, 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 an alumni barbecue that they had. And Tevin, one of the leaders, said, okay, we're going to gather in a circle which is you get a guys in a circle. Everybody gets nervous a little bit. And we're going to share what has God done in your life. So here I sit as a pastor of the fellowship next to people that were in prison for months, years, decades. And inevitably, probably every third, fourth person, like, you know what, man, I just, I just get to that place. I know if God could change my life. And then God could change that whole group of people I used to run around with. If God could change my life, then I could know he could change the guys that are still in there that are searching. And church family, I believe if God could change our lives and bring us to this place where we come and we worship, then if we walked outside of this building, that God could change the lives of any person that we began to just build and leverage a relationship for the cause of Jesus Christ. We have got to be able to live our lives with those who need to see it. The third is the record of the enemy. Satan will try every possible way to remind you that you are and were a failure. And when Satan does that, then you remind Satan what Revelation says, when victory is found in Jesus Christ. And you have no future, Satan, so don't worry about my future, because my future has nothing to do with yours. My future has to do with Jesus Christ and being with him eternally. And for some of you, that's what you needed to hear this morning. That your future, if you keep going down your track, ends away from Jesus Christ because Satan's pulling you down into that. But if you will give your life to Christ, Scripture says that all things are made new by those who called. Called by him. Called by Jesus. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And if you will place your faith in your future and your hope and your eternal destination changes from darkness to light.
From death to life. From despair to hope. If you will simply commit your life to Christ. Man, we don't need to worry about our record. Jesus Christ, when you lived before Jesus, you were in darkness. When Jesus entered, you became a children of light. And light has all the power over darkness. There is not a dark place that a light shines that darkness can't be like, nope, you are not coming over. Because if a light comes in the room, the darkness will always lose. Jesus Christ is the difference maker. Ephesians 5.8 says, Once you were children of darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Live it in his presence. Live it in the presence of others. <clears throat> Matthew 5.15-16 uh, from the message, Eugene Peterson writes it this way. He says, I'm putting you on a lampstand. Now that you're there on the hilltop on a light stand, shine. You shine. You keep the house open. <clears throat> Be generous with your life. <clears throat> Pardon me. By opening up your life to others, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. If God has placed a light in you, then you shine it in front of men. Don't worry about how bright it is. Just worry that you're shining it because Jesus will take care of the rest. And grow in that love. When we bring the light, darkness cannot win. And the last one I want to share with you, the, the third one, is that we need to practice the ways of Jesus unconditionally. You know, sometimes, i got to be honest with you, you know, please promise not to think any less of me. But in my lifetime, I have placed conditions on who should receive the message of, message of Christ and who does not need to hear the message of Christ. That is against Scripture. We are to live and practice the ways of Jesus unconditionally. Everyone. Would you repeat that with me? Everyone. Everyone has value in God's eyes. <clears throat> There's not a single person that you come across that doesn't have some value in God's eyes. Not one. If God created them, God loves them, God wants them in his life. And God wants to be a part of their lives. Everyone has value. We only need to focus on being distributors of the things that God has distributed into our lives. Love, hope, joy, patience, forgiveness. Salvation through Jesus, not salvation through ourselves. Salvation through Jesus. Hope. Jesus didn't come seeking qualifications or references. Jesus didn't start putting stipulations or conditions on how and who gets to choose him and he just simply said, if you will come, then I will be your Lord. If you will just simply be with me. Paul writes it this way, and for us to be distributors, we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Some people think this is, just about the, this is just about a wedding. I think it's about a love story that Jesus wants to tell people. How does Jesus love? Well, let me talk about it because it describes it right here. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And the kicker in verse 8, love never fails. You wonder if Jesus will ever fail you? Nope. He hadn't started, he's not going to. Jesus is always, always faithful. So as we begin to kind of tie a bow on this, let me just tell you, if none of this means anything, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, 
None of this means anything to you. You can't practice the ways of Jesus if Jesus doesn't have your heart. You can know about Jesus. You can like him like you would on social media. But none of it makes a difference unless Jesus is right here. Romans, uh, Romans 10 tells us, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you would just simply confess with your mouth, believe with your heart, that's the first couple steps to getting into it, committing your life to him. Man, we would love to talk. We're going to have prayer partners here in just a few moments. They would love to share with you how to come and know Jesus, not just from a knowledge, but from a personal relationship. Justin is sitting right over here. I'll be right over here. We would love to share with that with you because we would love to see you practice the ways of Jesus alongside us, but we would love for you just to get to know Jesus first and live your life in such a way that is life filled with hope and love. Man, how incredible that would be. You're wondering if Jesus would, uh, would choose somebody like you. Would Jesus even come into my life? Revelation 3.20 comes to mind. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And I'll eat with you. And you will dine with me. That's not a maybe. That's a guarantee. You open the doorway to your heart, Jesus is coming. And he will be your Lord forever. For those of us that already have a relationship, I've just got to, really just got to ask us, not to question you, but to challenge you, to really make you evaluate where you're at personally. How are you practicing the ways of Jesus? Is God the center of your life or just a part of it? Don't compartmentalize God and just say, well, you're a Sunday, Wednesday kind of thing. Man, you let God be everything about you, 24-7. Let every inch of your life be centered in God. How are you doing not only getting to know the Bible, but how are you doing living it out? That's why we, we value life groups so much here and life-changing relationships because we believe when we get together and we study God's word that we really iron sharpen iron one another. We really challenge one another to live scripture out. Some of us are so concerned, well, I don't know what scripture says. I think you do. You just don't know where the ballpark is of the scripture reference. Live the scripture out. Worry about the reference later. Because if you will live scripture out, if we will live scripture out, if I will live scripture out, we will change people's lives for the kingdom. And God will get so much glory and people's lives will be eternally changed. Revival would break out. It would be incredible. How are you loving others the way that Jesus would? Better question, how are you being obedient? You don't get a choice in obedience. It's either you do or you don't. It's not a, well, Jesus, it's Sunday. I mean, the game's on at 3. Maybe I can do it on Tuesday. i got more time. No. If Jesus calls it to you now, it's to be done now. Don't wait. Be obedient. We need to put the needs of others above our own. The next question really to challenge us with is, how am I practicing the ways of, of, of Jesus? How am I practicing those ways in front of others? And I would even go back to say, how are you practicing the ways of Jesus with people outside of these walls? Let's don't talk about inside these walls. That's kind of like, that's cheat code. That's cheating. Because, you know, many of us have been around the church long enough. You can fake it inside the walls. It's possible. How are we doing out there? When you go to the grocery store, you get your groceries for the week. How are you living the, the ways of Jesus, bumping each other through the carts, through the, through the line? Or now, how are you treating the individual that's bringing your groceries to us? You don't have to go in the store in the first place. How are you living out the, the ways of Jesus in the people that you're going to work with and you live with? 
man, we've got to really make sure we cannot and must not leave Jesus to be a couple days a week. He must be something that we show all the time. And I'm reminded that people are eternally dying and need to be able to find Jesus. You know, my friend Nilda, one of the things that she shared with me is uh, she one day, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'm going to share it tomorrow in the service. But, um, you know, she and Carlos went on vacation, and they were gone for several weeks. If you know Carlos and Nilda, that was a pretty common occurrence. They love vacation. And she came back, and I remember if those of you that were in the old McGavick location, the youth room had the sliding doors, with the long hallway that went to the elevator. That was their pathway because it was the easiest way to get from the parking lot to their life group room. And we saw them coming, and so I walked out in the hallway. I said, welcome back. And she paused right there, what seemed like an eternity, and she goes, I just never knew that people, young people noticed that I was here or not here. Not somebody inside the church. Imagine outside the church, if you say hello to somebody, what their response would be, that they would even feel noticed to begin with. We need to notice people and live our faith in front of others because we may be the only Jesus they see. And I know that sounds like a church cliche, but you just go ahead and put it on a business card and remind yourself every time you see it, today may be the only Jesus that people see. I better live it out good. And the last one I would share with you is, do I place conditions on others to receive the grace and mercy of Jesus? John, 1 John 4 says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. If we refuse to extend grace and love and forgiveness and, and mercy and hope, we might as well just go ahead and tell them we hate them. I know that seems harsh, but you remember Jesus said tough love. Now I'm going to tough love you right now. Let's don't, ex- let's don't extend hate. Let's don't ex- extend that we don't care. Let's extend Jesus. Let's extend his love and his grace and everything that he provides And let's watch people's lives forever changed, not for a season or for a moment, for eternity. How incredible it would be if we would practice the ways of Jesus all the time. This morning as we come, maybe you want to just confess and just have a time of prayer this morning. We're going to open up this altar, this little stage area right here. You can come and kneel. And if there's, a, there's something you just need to say, Jesus, I'm not practicing the ways of you all the time. I'm not practicing uh, in front of people, and I'm not... I'm not doing it unconditionally. Maybe you just need to have a moment of God just say, God, forgive me and help me to do better. Help me to take full advantage of every opportunity you give to me. Maybe you just want to just have communion with the Lord and just have a time of where you just reconnect with the Lord and say, I want to remember everything that you did for me so I can do it in front of other people and lead them to you. Maybe simply you just need somebody to pray with. We know that this time of year is very tense, and, and not everybody's having a merry and happy anything. And maybe you just need to know some, some people care. There's going to be some friends on either side of the room. There's going to be one or two up in the mezzanine. They're going to want to pray with you, and I promise you, one of the things that they will display is when they pray, they care, and they love. Unconditionally, without question, they will just simply be your friend for the moment and just pray and lift you up so you could feel the love of Jesus. As we respond, you think about what you need to do. What is it that Jesus is calling you to do to make 2020 different than any other year that you've ever experienced? Let's pray.
Father, we just ask that you, in this time of response, will be given all the glory and all the honor that you so deserve. God, we are grateful for your son, Jesus, who makes a lot of things possible simply by the way that he loved and showed us through scripture and through his life. That God, if we would just follow you, if we would just do the things that you've called us to do, if we would simply love you the way that scripture tells us, man, people's lives would be changed, including our very own. Maybe one of us or several of us in the room, God, we, we've never felt that before. We've never experienced someone in practicing the ways of Jesus. Then allow today to be the day that they're introduced to the greatest gift they could possibly receive, the salvation that comes to Jesus Christ. Maybe somebody just needs to have a friend this morning just to pray and to lift them up. Give them the, the courage and the boldness to step forward and just say, I need prayer. Maybe a few people will come together and just say, would you just pray so that we together as a team, as a life group, as friends, we could live out Jesus in front of those that we're close to. Change our neighborhoods, change our communities, change our, change our culture. But God, none of this is about us. This is about you and this is about your glory. So whatever happens in these next few moments, let it be for your, for your honor, for your glory, for your fame, for your kingdom to grow inside this church, inside of these towns that we represent, inside this world we call home. Father, we love you. We pray that we will make your name well known today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys stand as we sing and worship this morning.